Before we get into today's episode of the Dads and the Docs, we've got to let you know about our best mates, Big W. Mate, they've literally got everything. They've got onesies, they've got prams, they've got car seats, they've got all the everyday nursery essentials. They've got it all. Absolutely. It's all quality, it's all affordable, everything you need from bump to bub. Big W, it's where you go once you know. Welcome to episode seven of the Dads and the Docs. Congratulations, Dads. You've made it to the safety and the comfort of home. Now you've just got to work out what to do while you're there. Fear not, because we are bringing an absolute expert to impart some wisdom today. His name, Dr. Daniel Golshevsky, or I'm sure your partner probably knows this name, Dr. Golly. He's Dr. Golly to basically everyone. We bought Dr. Golly's sleep program from his website, and this isn't an ad when I say it works like genuine magic. The whole thing was like sorcery. I reckon this guy is brilliant at simplifying all the questions new parents have into answers that make sense. He basically makes the complicated very uncomplicated. We bought the sleep program, like I said, when our daughter was born, and I used it as a reference, I reckon, every single day for the first six months. I recommended it to all my mates and I'm genuinely recommending it to you. If you want to check out Dr. Golly's stuff after this episode, just head to drgolly.com for it all. You can buy the sleep program there. He's also got a new book called Your Baby Doesn't Come With a Book. He's also got a podcast called Dr. Golly and the Experts. The man is basically everywhere. You can find it at drgolly.com. This chat has so many pieces of advice that I wish I knew at the time and I genuinely think will help you as new dads, particularly around sleep and stress. So please, once again, strap yourself in. Let's go home. Where do new dads go when they need info? They go to the docks. It's the dads in the docks. That's the name. The king of sleep, Dr. Golly, mate, thank you for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. So same question that we've asked everyone uh, to start, that we've asked all the docs anyway, what do you normally see from dads during the period of the first week at home? I see a bit of everything and I've got this really privileged position where I get to see what the first week of life is like with the parents because they're in Mm. hospital. Yep. So just across the corridor behind us, babies will be born and then they'll stay in hospital for four or five days most most often and I get to basically move in with the parents. So <laughs> it's really nice. I'll tell you what, helpful to have a housemate who's a doctor. That would yeah. be great. <laughs> but I, I get this great insight and um, it's obviously artificial because you're not in, in the home environment, which is much more relaxed and comfortable and spacious, of course, but – you get to see parents at a really exciting and beautiful time, but you also get to see them at a vulnerable time when they're sleep deprived, they might be stressed, things might not be going according to plan. Um, and yeah, it's a wonderful insight. It's a beautiful privilege, as I said, and you get to see some pretty uh, incredible things and some pretty funny things sometimes. Yep. You see it all. <laughs> so a dad's normally in that first week and even in that first sort of period of few days of getting home are they do you mostly see them stressed or they're overwhelmed or they're a bit worried or concerned or are most of them doing okay most of them are definitely doing okay but you see everything you see the whole spectrum so the most common thing is is the dad is just trying to do the right thing yep 
taking the mum's lead, trying to protect mum, trying to figure out what on earth I do with this new thing <laughs> called the baby and also just trying to problem solve. I think that's sort of a beautiful thing and probably a big source of, of stress as well for dads. They, tr- you know, we, we like to fix things. I'm generalising, of course, but we do. We like to fix things. And, um, and, you know, there are certain things you just can't fix, certain things that just take time, certain things that take experience. And, um, and that's a lesson you learn as a dad, but it does not happen overnight. Mm. You know, speaking from personal experience, it took me months and, and I think potentially even years to realise that myself. Yeah. What things can't dads fix? Like uh, so in those first few days at home or first week at home, what things do you recommend that you that dads are just like, all right, dad, you got to let this one go? Dads can't speed up a mum's recovery from pregnancy and childbirth, mm-hmm. regardless if we're talking about a caesarean or a vaginal birth. Dads can't make breast milk come in quicker. Dads can't make a baby sleep through the night on day three. Yep. All right? <laughs> so give up. Okay. okay. But on every one of those, dads can play an enormous part. Dads can give mum rest because sleep makes milk. Dads can keep mums hydrated because drinking water makes milk. Dads can be a bodyguard, for want of a better term, because entertaining guests and visitors is beautiful, but at the same time you've got to draw a line somewhere. I was really bad at that when my first was born. I just wanted everyone to meet her. I wanted yep. everyone to come over. And, um, and I really regret that because I needed to protect my wife more. Um, we sort of started on the back foot when our first was born because my wife had a really long, long labour. So it was sort of like a three-day event. Oh, it's mate, like that's a, like, it's like, like splendour in the grass. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> um, just <laughs> it was tough and it meant that we started this journey really on the back foot and, um, and I probably needed to protect her. I definitely needed to protect her more by keeping people at bay and sort of having, you know, visitation hours or something like that. But those are the kinds of things you can do as a dad. And the list is endless. So you might feel you're never doing enough or or you feel – a lot of dads tell me they feel helpless. Mm -hmm. The only thing a dad can't do in the setting of a nuclear family with a breastfed baby is breastfeed. Everything else they can do. And the most important thing is to protect the mum, right? If you can protect the mum – She'll protect the baby. Right. Everything else will be fine. So just protect the mum. If your singular focus is on the mum, then you can't go wrong. That's been a great theme so far throughout all of the doctor's advice has very much been look after mum, what she needs, give to her. So you look after everything else and she will look after the baby itself. Yeah. And I I was talking um, to someone recently there's a wonderful um, charity called SMS for Dads, where which is basically mental health support via text. And um, we, I was talking with them, and we discussed the concept that you know, when you, the world is give and take, but in this particular instance, as a dad, if you give to the mum and you protect her and you nourish her and you help her help hasten her recovery, my God, do you get so much back? Like you get back in terms of her being your wife you get back so much in terms of her being the mother of your child and you get back from being involved in the early stages of your child's life. So a lot of dads and the sort of you know traditional 
method of dadding was you go to the pub yep. while your baby's being born. Wet the baby's head. That's right. You meet them later and then you go to work and every now and then you pat them on the head. and yep. that's, it's say just, good job. Exactly. You know, it's it just doesn't fly. Yeah. Like, it's really changed. And that's, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to give dads these practical tips to be able to help out with the mum and with the baby because there's a lot of stuff out there for established parents but not so much for for new dads that are coming on the scene. Uh, You talk about in terms of the mum healing, how can the dad help the mum heal and what's the expected time frame for both a caesarean and a vaginal birth? The time frame's highly variable. So some mums, I mean, my wife who's an absolute rock star, she was just up and walking around like – Minutes afterwards, yep. she someone asked her who, who she was visiting when she was on the postnatal <laughs> war. She's just she was unbelievable. So some people re- recover really quickly, and then others take you know cesarean weeks, weeks and weeks. And then there can be complications, and some mums have got to come back to hospital, have operations, medications, all of this while potentially breastfeeding, recovering. So it's highly variable. What can you do? Just ask, ask the question. What do you need? And you know what? There are some mums out there that are not really good at taking. They're not good at asking for help. They're not good at letting go. And sometimes you've got to know when to offer help and sometimes you've got to know when to not ask (laughs) and to just do the groceries and to just tell your mates you're not coming over tonight to meet the baby or just change the beds. You know, just little things like that that some, some dads are doing already, some dads are not doing, just help. Just take the pressure off mum, ask her what she needs, ask her what she wants, give her things she doesn't even know she wants. Yep, awesome. And now you are the certified burping king (laughs) and I personally – Hold on, hold on. You make it sound like I burp. Oh, mate. It's not me. Uh, Mate, okay, do you want to be the burping emperor? What would you like (laughs) to be? Just the the professor of burps. It is – For the record, this is not me burping. Yeah. I, I, I like babies to burp. Yes, correct, <laughs> correct. And we, Rach and I took your advice and, and followed your tips and the online program, which I talk about in the intro. Yep. And it was what I described to you in person. I said it was like genuine sorcery. It was absolutely magic. And I took that on and the burping technique of yours to – that was my job. So would you recommend dads taking on specific jobs and saying, no, no, that's mine, or I'm going to be the swaddler, or I'm going to be the burper, or I'm going to be the changer. Love that. This is mine. This is my domain. Mum, don't even walk in here because this is my territory. Yep. I love that. And what I, as an extension of that, I want dads to be of the mindset, to have the perspective to think every single thing is my job, right? Yep. You, you breastfeed. If yep. that's the case, if you've got a breastfeeding mum – then as a dad, I want you to think to yourself, you've just built this child, yeah. right, for nine months. You've then got it out of you. All which, I did was a couple of nails at the start yeah. and that was it. <laughs> then I left. Then I was on annual leave for nine months. <laughs> then they've delivered the thing, which is no small feat, and you really have to think to yourself, this is insane what they've been through physically, emotionally. So what's my job? Yes, it's burping. Mm. Yes, it's swaddling. In fact – it's bloody everything. Yeah. It's everything until mum says, hey, I'd like a cuddle or, <laughs> hey, can I do this swaddle yep. or how about I do this? So I want you to be of the mindset like I'm doing everything 
and mum can ask if she wants to help out yeah. every now and then. Well, I love that. I love the tip of if a dad becomes the sort of master of everything, the jack of all trades, if you will, the mum is asking the dad, oh, how do I swaddle? Even better. Oh, how do I change the nappy? So because the mum is looking after all of the feeding, yep. then you go, okay, well, let me look after that. And if you want advice, come to me. Because I, like you said before, dads feel it's really common to feel helpless or feel like you're not really contributing or you don't know how to contribute. But if you can take over a few roles of certain jobs, then – there's also there's a there's also a big ego part of it too. If you if your partner's like, how do I swaddle? You go, ah, don't worry, I'll yeah. teach you how to swaddle <laughs> this, which I think is super helpful. Uh, you're 100 percent right, and there's there's a little bit more to it. There's actually a bit of science behind it too. So love science. <laughs> a lot of dads will tell me, and I experienced this myself. You go to work, you come home, and I, I'll tell you about me. I would come home and I'd open the door to find. My wife exhausted, holding a screaming baby. I take the baby from her. The baby settles instantly and I feel like a superhero. <laughs> right? I felt amazing. Absolutely. Like, you I've do. got the magic touch. Yep. Right? I'm sure your wife loved that. She loved it and then she'd go and have a rest or socialise or exercise or eat or whatever she wanted to do, but I was just there holding a perfectly happy, settled, crying, uh, sleeping baby. Now, I don't have a magic touch, mm. right? I'm no better at settling than anyone else, but dads don't smell of breast milk, which means that dads very often are actually better at settling babies than the mum because the mum's not only got a smell of breast milk, the mum's also got hormones going through her body that tell her to feed. It's a protective mechanism for a human. So you've got a baby who will feed, even though they're not necessarily hungry, You've got a mum who wants to feed because she's been hamstrung by her hormones and you're holding the baby right next to the food source. What do you think is going to happen? Baby wants to eat. Baby's going to eat. Whereas if you come along and you take that baby, not only are you getting wonderful time one-on-one with a baby, you're giving your wife a break and you're probably going to be better at settling that baby, which means you're not going to feed unnecessarily, i.e. feed because the baby's tired or feed because the baby's got wind, we only want to feed because the baby's hungry. Mm. So what we find is that when dads are more hands-on, everyone wins. The baby is going to sleep through the night earlier. The mum's going to recover quicker. The bond between baby and dad is stronger. The marriage between mum and dad is strong. Everything Every single thing gets better and all you need to do is be involved. Like how easy is that? Yeah, how and good fun. is that? And, and fun. Really fun. And you get more back from it. So yeah. we science again tells us that when dads are more heavily involved, the benefits, they're immense. Dads are more likely to be physical with kids, which means kids who've grown up with more dads' hands-on involvement have better hand-eye coordination skills better at sport, physically stronger, more resilient, more robust. And then dads who are, who are doing this have lower rates of their postnatal, paternal postnatal depression, anxiety, adjustment disorder, you name it. So it's just across the board, the more hands-on you are, the better. And I should say also, if it's in the setting of a breastfed baby, that mum, if she wants to and if she can, can express, and then dads can get in on the feeding as well. So there's like there's literally nothing you can't do. Mm. Do you find 
that it ever stresses mums out a bit if they ha- have a crying baby and then dad comes home and then can settle the baby instantly. Does that frustrate some mums or do you find that mostly mums go, great, it's settled, I'm happy to sort of leave the baby with you now? Because I can imagine that would cause a little bit of potentially a bit of tension between the mum and the dad. It does, it does. It goes both ways. You're 100% right. Um, I distinctly remember I had a baby in here earlier in the year and um, really unsettled baby and I hadn't met the parents before. They came in for a consultation and um, baby was crying and they couldn't hear what I was saying because the baby was crying so much. So I said, um, can I hold him? And I took him and I, I soldered him tight and I held him and I kept talking. And while I was talking, the mum burst out crying. Right. And I, I sort of looked at her and gave her a moment and I, I said, are you okay? And she as you rightly suggested, she was so upset that someone else could settle her baby. Yep. And I get it. That would be quite upsetting because some mums will feel like, why can't I do that? And what I explained to that mum and the dad in the room at the same time is that babies drink more than milk. They drink all of your emotions. So if you are not coping – as a parent, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're overtired, if you're struggling, you then go to hold a baby and that baby feels it. That baby feels every emotion you have and they drink that up. So if the simple way to put it is if you're unsettled, the baby will more likely be unsettled as well. So the inverse of that is that the more settled you are, the better you'll be at settling a baby. It's like if you were having a panic attack now, and you had a mate to sort of, you know, cry on their shoulder, you're going to calm much more easily with someone who's calm than with someone who is just as anxious and worked up as you, Mm. right? We imbibe, we feed off other people. And babies are wonderful communicators, much better than we give them credit for. So the key and my entire philosophy is about empowering the parent to know what the baby wants, to know what the baby needs to interpret their signs give them the tools to then act on what they realize the baby needs and what you'll soon what that parent will soon find and what that mum soon found was that they were perfectly able to calm that baby they were perfectly able and why could i do it well it was partly to do with a tighter swaddle in that case but also because i'm incredibly relaxed around babies now I'm cheating. You've seen a bit. Because I've seen a few (laughs) and I've had a few. Yeah. But I must be – I have to be honest with you, I was useless with my first. Mm. I was hopeless. In fact, I only got into this space because of the quote-unquote trauma of my first child. I was terrible at it. I was a shocking dad. (laughs) Shocking. And only through practice and experience and then delving into the whole world of the unsettled infant did I gain confidence. So it's like, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a baby now. <laughs> oh, mate, wouldn't it you expert? You'd be an, It'd be so much more oh, easy. So easy. Because a lot of the, the – you hear a lot before you become a dad and in, in the first couple of days of well, a parent regardless is that people always tell you, oh, you'll know – You'll know what your baby wants. You'll know. And then I remember hearing that and being like, mate, I've got no idea what this thing wants. It is like an It's indecipherable. Yeah, it is basically a screaming potato at the moment. Correct. 
And I remember that being a really, really frustrating thing to hear. Like, oh, don't worry, you'll know. And I was like, I'm, I don't know. Is it's, there- it's spoken by someone who has experience. Mm. Right? You raise your third child exactly how you should raise your first. But you need experience to get there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've got a mate who's just had his second baby and he goes, mate, this is this gig's easy. Easy. He's like, first one, tough as. <laughs> second one, much more relaxed and the baby's sleeping better and it's doing it all. So if we can empower people to sort of skip. Skip, f- skip stage yeah, one. Just imagine yeah. that your first <laughs> is actually your third and you're rolling through. Exactly. Uh, now in terms of what dads need to buy, because practical stuff is great, what things do dads need to buy? Like what stuff do you need to have around the house? Just at a very basic level, if you've got it, you'll be fine. Very little, really little. So most parents buy too much. Mm. They prepare too much. Yeah, given Um, about 50,000 muslin cloths. Always the case. I think um, common sense prevails. So things like the, you know, the car seat and the capsule, you want to do that well ahead of time because uh, delivery is – often a surprise and you don't want to be at hospital and you haven't unpacked the box yet and, oh, God, you want to get it installed properly and you just don't want to be dealing with that stuff. So get it done ahead of time. Make sure things are built, right? Get it done early. So if you're building a cot or a bassinet or a stroller or a bookshelf or you're painting the nursery, you don't put a new baby in a nursery that was painted yesterday and smells, (laughs) right? So just do it way too early, okay, while you've got time. Isn't it amazing when you're a dad? how little time you have oh. and how much time you had. Absolutely. Heaps yeah. of time. Talking to a couple of mates, they're like, might play golf on the weekend. I was like, I'd love oh, to play golf on the would weekend. Love, would absolutely love. I'd love to play mini golf. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a, a round of 18. But do the stuff while you've got the time on your hands because you cannot fathom how little time you have. And I don't think you really understand until you've had a kid. But those will be the big things for me. And then the really practical things like a baby carrier. So get that purchased and fitted so that you can wear that baby when they're going through a period of unsettledness or when you want to go out so you're not locked at home. You just want to get those things because that's what you're going to use a lot of. Lots of onesies, get ones with zips, not with press studs. Oh, press studs are the worst. They're the worst. They're the worst. Yeah. It's like you have have one, you use it once, and then you never use it again. Yep. 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 Um, And anything else that you know you're going to want, you're going to want to monitor, you're going to want – a cot eventually, even if you've got a bassinet, you may as well do the whole cot. So just get all these things done as soon as you can so that they're not jobs that take up time when all you want to do is sleep or cook or play or protect or the things that yep. really become a priority. Now in terms of – I have a question about bottles. So if you're buying – um, most people will end up with a bottle, whether they be Formula Baby or whether they're just using the top-up from the letdown or whatever it may be, which letdown people will learn what that is. We'll talk about that in a sec. But the bottles that are like the anti-colic bottles that reduce the supposedly reduce the air that goes in when the baby drinks, are they a good thing or is it a bit of a marketing ploy? I think it's marketing. Right. Sorry. Um, no, mate. Look, we are, as mammals, we are what we call obligate nose breathers, which means we have to breathe through our nose so that we can have a, a nipple or teat in our mouth. We're meant to be nose breathe, breathers and we're meant to be nose breathers for life. Okay. Now- what that means is that you are breathing while you're drinking constantly. The, it is absolutely 100% inevitable that you will swallow air. I don't care what bottle you use, you're going to swallow air. That air must come up, as you now know. Yep. 
So this is the burping emperor. This is the burping. This is the key of burping. So don't ever um, think that oh, it's all right. I've got this anti-colic bottle. I mean, what is that? Yep. An anti-colic bottle. Like, I think um, I think one thing that dads and mums need to do is learn. Pardon my language, but learn to just cut through the crap. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it, as you know. So things like anti-colic bottles. I mean, baby swallow air. Full stop. You got to burp it out. Full right. stop. Cool. So, bottles. No. Are there any other products or things that you see people buy that you think they're getting done over by the marketing? Uh, electric cots that move Good. and yep. <laughs> make noises. I won't name names. <laughs> they bother me. Yep. Don't get me started. Um, for me, that's a robotic nanny. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you are having to rock and shush your child to get any sleep, you're missing something. So for me, that's actually harmful because of the concept of just distracting a child through pain, rather prevent it from happening in the first place. That's my whole philosophy again. Certain things are really great and almost universally needed, like um, snot suckers. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do that? Oh, we did, yeah. Was that your, was that your role? Oh, my God, we got so much snot it was like It was like my favourite role as a oh, dad. It makes me salivate a little bit, like I'm just on the border of throwing up, it's, but um, it's like incredibly Mr. Satisfying. Producer in the room, are you a dad? You can't possibly fathom how good it is to <laughs> suck snot out of another human's nose. It's magic. It's amazing. These little like you – so you buy these little like bulb syringes, I think they call them. Yeah. Uh, and then you drop a little bit of saline solution into the nostril beforehand and it like loosens up all the snot. I mean, I don't know why I'm explaining this. we got a doctor in the room. But then you go, <laughs> bang, st- stick the uh, the bulb sucker up in there and, and then reverse it up. And it is one of the more disgusting now, but satisfying things. Is that the only device you used? Yes, we didn't use an electric one. What's the? Because I know that some people have like electric ones. Is one better than the other? <laughs> I laugh because I didn't use that one nor the electric one. Right, I used, used the manual one. The mouth. Yeah. Oh, not directly, but this was. This is like it's some Swedish product, right? It's fantastic. Basically, there's a little filter. Yep. So you don't get anything in your own mouth. <laughs> okay. But you basically stick one end in the baby's nostril, one end in your mouth, and you suck. Because the one that you describe, you get like half a second of suction, yep. right? The electric ones are good because you get longer suction. Constant. Yep. But this one, you can control how hard oh, it is and pressure. how long, and you get this feeling of like success. And then when you listen to your baby breathing silently, it's just right. vic- victory. So why are babies so snotty? Uh Great question. We lie babies flat, right? So when you lie flat, all of your secretions, all of your saliva, it all pulls in the back of your throat and the top of your nose and so that's why they often get filled. Plus their noses are absolutely tiny. Mm. The nasal airway is really small. So it doesn't take much to get it blocked. Now they will sneeze to try to clear it. They can still feed and breathe even though it's a bit noisy but if you clear it for them before a feed and or before a sleep, they're much more comfortable. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And how about when uh, a mum is feed? do you recommend dads get up in the middle of the night when the mum is feeding in that first week or do you recommend that they swap it out and so dad sleeps and then you can sort of alternate? In the first week, I think all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. I think thereafter there's not much point in having two people and it's better to sort of – share the load so you can protect the other person. Exactly. But in the first week, I think no one 
has a clue what's going on, what this particular baby needs. So I like the idea of um, you know sleeping as much as possible, but also supporting as much as possible. And if you know, for example, if if you're in the first week of life and it's a two a.m. feed, and the mum is breastfeeding, the dad might think, well, why would I wake up? That's just silly. Yeah, but the moment the baby comes off the breast, that mum can go straight to sleep. And you can spend the next 15, 20 minutes, half an hour burping, changing, swaddling, getting the baby to sleep. And it's definitely therefore worthwhile for you to be awake. Mm. So I think in the first week of life, yes, let's get you know as much support as possible together very quickly. In fact, the more you work together early, the sooner you'll all be sleeping through the night. Well, to your point of uh, the dad sort of taking over once the feed has happened, one of my really good friends has just had a baby he bought your course and has followed uh, all of the the burping and um, gas advice and his job was to burp the baby and so he would they'd finish a feed with the child and then he would watch the last of us which goes for about <laughs> an hour and then he would said he would burp non-stop for the hour just while he was watching the TV and their baby is sleeping like an absolute beautiful champion because he's like it was great mum was asleep I was watching The Last of Us. Baby was just going up and down, up and down to to burp, and it just worked like magic. I was House of Cards. Ah, good, that very good. Me. We were The Office. Yeah, so perfect. actually, that's actually a great tip. Find yourself a TV show yes. that is long enough that you can get everything done while you watch it in the middle of the night. Absolutely agree. Yeah, love that. I really that's love good. It. You should put that on the list. Organize your baby carrier, your pusher, and your TV series. Yeah, awesome. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, a quick break to hear from our best mates at Big W, and we're talking poos. Not just any poo, but the Poonami. First things first is walk straight out the door and close the door behind you and pretend the thing never happened. Obviously, I'm just kidding. The best thing to do is get wipes and get a lot of wipes. And our mates at Big W have the Curash Baby Wipes. They've got the three-pack that has 80 wipes, and at the moment, they are 20% off. (laughs) Mate, that sounds pretty good because you don't want to run out of wipes like I did once. We had to use a towel, and you do not want to be the guy who's using the towel to wipe his baby's bum because then you've got to scrape the poo off, then you've got to soak the towel, then you've got to wash the towel, then you've got to dry the towel. Trust me, you want these wipes wipes you want these wipes from big w trust me dads go and get them now you cannot have too many no one ever said tell you what i've got too many of wipes go and get them they're the best big w it's where you go once you know offer dates of 30th of the 11th to 13th of the 12th while stocks last Uh, and in terms of sleeping environment so should the baby is there a certain position that the baby should sleep in the room because the recommendation is, I mean, the first six months is in the room with the parents. Um, Is there a position that it's best slept in? Yep, absolutely, as physically far away from the mum as possible. Right. So you want that baby on dad's side of the bed, uh, away from the bed. Now, I should preface this by saying put the baby wherever you want, all right? If you want that baby um, in a safe co-sleeper or one of those devices that attaches to the bed, that's absolutely fine. Like everything's okay, okay? Um, If you're asking what I like personally, I like the baby to be in the room on dad's side of the bed because the smell of mum's breast milk is less likely to wake that baby. Um, The dad is able to sort of 
be the first one to go to that baby because if that baby cries an hour after feeding, it's much more like the baby needs the burp or the baby needs a nappy change. And if the dad can do that while mum's fast asleep there, that's brilliant. But if the baby's next to mum, you know, centimetres away, it's going to wake mum, it's going to trigger more letdown. You're going to end up feeding more frequently through the night. So great question in the room, dad's side of the bed. Crucial. Uh, and now you mentioned letdown. We mentioned it a little bit before. Do you want to explain a little bit? Because for most dads, for, for most new dads, the like knowledge of breastfeeding is incredibly limited and it is mostly assumed, much like the movies, that you just pop the baby on and that and then it'll feed and then that's done. Is there like can you explain how the process works and what letdown is and, and how dads can help with the whole feeding process yeah, as well? Yeah, breastfeeding's hard. It's never a case of just plug in and you're done. And and not every mum was built to exclusively breastfeed. So there's the complication of the baby's mouth. So some babies have got, you know, small a small mouth, a high palate, a bad tongue tie, whatever it may be that makes the baby not wonderful at latching or maintaining a latch or sucking hard. Then you've got the mum's nipple shape. Then you've got the mum's milk composition, the flow, the letdown speed. There are so many variables. And when you have so many variables, there are so many places where it may not work. So the instance of the perfect, you know, mum, baby, everything works every time, it doesn't happen all the time. And that's something that I really want mums to understand. And as an extension of that, I want dads to understand that, you know, some dads think, and I probably was guilty of this myself when I had our first, it's not easy and you need to help, you need to support. So there are three things that make breast milk in the early days. Number one is sleep. Number two is water. Number three is stimulation. So some of those you can help with and some of them you can't. <laughs> yeah. You can get the mum to sleep. You can get the mum a jug of water and you can help as much as possible when it terms of, in terms of the baby providing the stimulation. Some mums will use a pump um, to bring milk on, not just for expressing, but to actually hasten the arrival of milk. Um, and, you know, as much support as possible. So it might be in terms of grabbing a pillow for mum or, you know, rubbing her shoulders. So Because a lot of mums will often um, clench their shoulders up had this conversation with a mum on the ward about 15 minutes ago where mum's right shoulder was up near her ear and I just tapped it and she couldn't believe it. It dropped like half a metre. She couldn't believe (laughs) how high it was. But those are the kinds of things that dads can see, go in, drop it down, rub her back if she's getting uncomfortable. Whatever she needs, just whatever she needs, just give it to her. Just don't hesitate. I promise you what she's doing is harder than anything you've done before. (laughs) So just it's not a competition. You cannot do enough as a dad, all right? And that's enough. Yeah. Okay. That's what you got to do. Um, so with breastfeeding, we're talking the early stages, not once it's established. Mm-hmm. So in the early stages, it's a demand schedule. So when the baby demands that you feed, whether that's every two hours or there's a five-hour gap, whatever it may be. So um, it means it's very frequent. Um, it means that the nipples are being traumatized again and again. So you might need to assist with and you you do the research like dads you can get out there and read you know i'd love a dad to go to a mum's hey mum i've heard about these nipple shields 
Maybe I'll go buy one and see how it is. It's like a condom you put on the nipple and just protects it from being traumatized. Get some cream that you know and know that you put the cream on at the end of a feed, not at the beginning of a feed because you don't want the baby to <laughs> like just know this stuff. And, yep. you, and you can't know it um, unless you just do some reading, do some research and, and make it your make it your job to find out how to support and how to protect and what to do when things go wrong. Find out, like know and and ask questions and read up about um, babies who have a little bit of blood in their vomit in the first week of life. That's really common. That's swallowed blood from mum's cracked nipple. Now often a baby will have a little bit of blood in their vomit and the parents will be terrified because it's a pretty scary thing. But if mum's sitting there telling you, yeah, breastfeeding on this left side absolutely kills and I feel like it's cut and I can see blood there, then you are immediately more relaxed. You say, well, I'm going to assume that that's just swallowed blood and I'm not going to worry that there's something wrong with the baby, but I am going to worry about your nipples and I've read up about these three things that can help and why don't we express for two feeds, give your nipples a bit bit of a break, I'll give a bottle. So that kind of proactive helping is really important because, mate, mums don't know. Like, yeah, it's like, their first time too. That's right. I think dads assume that there's like this inbuilt how-to guide, but mums don't know more than you. They know what they know because, yes, there's instinct, but there's, they read and they talk and they ask their older sister and they ask their mum and, you know, they, they want to know because they're going to go through it. You have to be of the mindset that you are breastfeeding. You're going through it. So ask your older sister, ask your friends, ask your mum, get that knowledge and then you can help when it's needed. Yep, love it. And normalise that conversation with all those people in your life so that they're happy to give you that advice and, and help along with the process as well. And then give it to the next person. Yep. So you mentioned your mate, give them the advice and say, hey, this worked really well. Why don't you suggest that? So just, you know, dads don't talk enough as it is. Well, I love the tip about um, critically thinking about why something has happened. So with the baby with a little bit of blood in the vomit to start – and thinking, all right, why is there blood in the vomit? And then investigating it before needing to go to a doctor or calling the ambulance or whatever it may be. Are there any other things like in terms of, you talked about tongue tie before, are there other like things that dads should look out for like with tongue tie or with any other conditions, like little tips and tricks that, um, that dads can see? There definitely are. There's, there's a little bit to it, okay? Um, I don't want to give the advice without – explaining this bit first. So apologies if I'm waffling. No, go for it. There is a thing that happens in a woman when she delivers a baby and it's, for want of a better term, it's an explosion, it's an enlargement in the size of a part of her brain called the the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is sort of our centre of emotion, okay? And when your amygdala enlarges following the birth of a child, you become increasingly emotional, which means you become worried about the baby. You you have this desire. You know the concept of like mama bear? Mm-hmm. Like where a new mum will like lift a car off a baby. <laughs> like that's the kind of like insane worry, emotion, strength. And unfortunately it it like really, really goes into overdrive. So it doesn't happen with all mums, but very commonly mums will worry about stuff and they will stress and they'll become anxious about stuff. 
And I know in my practice, the vast majority of phone calls, emails, uh, consultations I get, it's prompted by mum being worried about something. Now, you ask the question, what can you do as the dad? Be practical, be common sense, outstanding advice, okay? Because if you see a little bit of blood in baby's vomit, baby's totally fine, gaining weight, everything's going brilliantly, see a speck of blood, the mum will assume the worst. And the dad, without that same amygdala explosion, has maybe a bit more capacity for rational thought, a little bit more. I'm being careful with the way I word this because mm. it's such a beautiful thing that happens with mums. Oh, an evolutionary thing as well, I'm sure. Exactly right. Protects babies, protects you know mm. human existence. It's a wonderful thing and I don't want to turn it off. In fact, if anything, I'm jealous that mums get it and dads <laughs> don't. So what we can do as dads is not be rudely dismissive and say, no, 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 he's fine. Because what that really says is, I'm not listening to you. You're being absurd. That kind of stuff, there's no room for that. What we need to do is we need to acknowledge that something is concerning or scary and we approach it with a common sense mindset and investigate accordingly. So, and explain accordingly. Don't yep. say, no, 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 he's fine. You say, look, I think I've read about this. Um, if you if you're breastfeeding and your nipples are cracked and sore, you're probably bleeding a little bit, and there's microscopic blood which you can't see to the naked eye, but does get swallowed, accumulates in his tummy, and then he vomits it out. So that's what I think's going on. Are you happy with that? Or if you want, I'll call the GP or the pediatrician. Um, I'll find out if you yep. want to do that. And that's the kind of really um, sensitive common sense, supportive approach that dads need to take. Yeah. So you asked what else do we look for? Well, that's one example. I mean, there's a million different examples, but be on the lookout for certain things that are commonly missed, okay? Be on the lookout for your baby's head shape, right? Don't let your baby sleep always looking to one side. Make sure they're always moving. And one, thing, one way to achieve that is to, A, make sure they've got a good range of neck motion, but also sometimes put them in the bassinet head up this end, and sometimes head up that end. Change where the bassinet is in the room. Keep things moving around so they're always looking in different directions and that way you get a nice round head shape. Um, what else? Poo contents. Look yep. out for mucus. Right, Mucus, very commonly missed. Looks right. like sh slimy, snotty, glowy. And grossness. if there is mucus in the poo to the doctor? Yeah, there's an intolerance there. It's yep. either to something in mum's breast milk or to the formula. Most commonly it's cow milk related, which is an intolerance to that protein. So that's something that you can recognise. If it's mild, it usually doesn't bother babies that much, but you can fix it pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And if you're not on the lookout, you won't find it. Yeah, and so fix it through going to the doctor and getting it sorted or do you try – is there – things that people should try first. Look, I'm all about parental education. So if you feel empowered enough to manage it yourself, please do. Like I would I would be delighted if a dad saw in the setting of a perfectly well baby mm -hmm. on a beautiful routine. Putting feeding, on weight. Yeah, everything's good, skin's good, not crying, settled, sees a bit of mucus in the poo and thinks, hold on, mum has a coffee every day. I'm just going to suggest that we switch to almond milk for a month. 
and then the mucus disappears, how good would that be? Yeah. Oh, mate, you'd feel like an absolute, an absolute again, hero. emperor, king, take Amazing. whatever you like, take whatever title, whatever crown's exactly. available. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I want I want dads to do. Now, if you don't feel confident doing that, I'll be the first to admit that I wasn't confident with this stuff and I've got all the knowledge in my head, Yeah. right? I still didn't feel confident doing it. So I do understand that I'm saying this from the point of view of, fathering three and looking after tens of thousands, I get it. But I still think there are certain really common mild things that you can tweak, you can recognize and you can fix pretty easily. Yep. I love that. So in terms of that amygdala growth, so the brain growth in that area of emotion for mums, should dads expect their partners to be more emotional during that period? Is that like, is it across the board and it's almost ubiquitous that everybody, that all mums will be a little bit more emotional than they previously had been? It's multifactorial. And just to clarify, I don't mean emotional. I think you're on the same page with me. I don't mean emotional like randomly angry and jealous and all, you know, big emotions. I'm not, it's like this is not Hollywood. I mean the amygdala growth causes, and the best way to describe it is an increased concern mm. of babies whereabouts and well-being, okay, which is, again, like you said, animal kingdom, protective mechanism, evolutionary. That's what the amygdala growth does. Um, it's multifactorial because there are other things that contribute to a mum's well-being. So you've got postpartum blues, okay. That is a, a really fascinating, scary thing to observe. Did you see that? In Rach? Yeah. No, we are lucky enough to, to skip that one. So it doesn't happen with everyone, but – Because there's a difference between the postpartum blues and postnatal depression, that's right, correct? That's right. Postpartum blues is like within the first few days of a baby's birth, a mum can have these bizarre just floods of emotion. Like I distinctly remember being in the hospital room day three – and I'm talking to my wife about something. There was a visitor there. It was all lovely. Everyone was happy. We were laughing. My wife's family's Moroccan, right? Mm-hmm. They were laughing and eating and everyone's having a ball. And in the middle of a sentence, my wife started crying. So she's talking about something happy. She's got a smile on her face and tears coming out of her eyes. And then by the end of the sentence, the tears stopped and she kept going. And I thought, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Like, what's going on? I didn't understand it. I've read about it, mm. but I, to see it in action is quite confronting. You just get a roller coaster. Yep. Mums get roller coasters. And mums will often say, I'm crying and I have no idea why. Well, I remember that with Rach being on the couch at home in the first week and then she would start crying and I would say, what's wrong? And she's like, I don't know. That's it. I, I, don't, I don't know. So that's postpartum blues. Yeah. So you did go through it. Right. And they don't know. And, and I said, what do, yeah, what can I do? And she said, I don't know. Yeah, because nothing's I don't, wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's fine. The baby was asleep next to her. We were okay. The house was not on fire. <laughs> it was all okay. And, and that's I think why, the thing that solved it was a cup of tea. Yeah, and time. Mm. And that's the, you know, I don't want to say funny, but sometimes it can be a bit funny. And mums can sometimes. I need to look back on. Yes. Maybe not funny. We'll well, go, it's called, that's called type three fun. He's like a, this is a, a complete aside. Yeah. A type fun, type one fun is when you're having fun and you know that you're having fun. Yep. Uh, type two is when you're not having fun and you know you're not having fun. Yep. Type three fun is when you're not having fun at the time, but you look back in the future 
and it's funny again. Like travel. Yeah. When yeah. something goes wrong when you're traveling, you lose a wallet or something. Yeah. Terrible at the time. Or a child. But exactly right. And you look back in 10 years and you think, hilarious. Yes. That was so funny when we lost our kid. Perfect example. Because we found them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like that. Type one, type things. two, type three. Right, so this is a beautiful example of type three. I yeah. like that a lot. Beautiful. I'm going to use that with patience. Mate, you're more than welcome. Thank if you. Any, I'm more than happy to give here. That's what I'm, I'm calling you the fun emperor. Yeah. Exactly. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like there's some mate, serious nuggets in there for new dads. So, But we've got to wrap it up with the usual uh, questions that we ask everybody. Well, that we ask all the doctors. So your top three tips for dads during their first week at home. Support. If that's front and centre, you're doing fine. You're capable of much more than you realise, okay? Don't take mum's lead because mum is as blind as you are when it comes to knowing what to do at every step of the way. Now, take advice as what I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you three. I'm going to give you like Mate, 53. You Matt, in fairness, everybody has gone over the three. <laughs> Take advice, learn. If, you, if you're in hospital for a few days, use that as a time and an opportunity to learn. You just want to learn, learn, learn. Learn from the, um, you know, practically how to change a nappy, how to swaddle a baby, how to help with feeding. Learn emotionally. Talk to the, to the person who comes and changes your bed sheets. Just talk, 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 learn, put your ego outside. Everyone's new to this. Everyone knows you're new to this and no one's judging you. So learn as much as you can so that you can then support better. And just remember that other than breastfeeding, there's nothing you can't do. Love that. Because, I mean, that's the funny thing that I remember uh, being the first week at home is that no matter what you're thinking or what you're doing or how you're feeling, someone has either felt that thought that or done that before. So particularly in the hospital and even when you get at home the first week, it's all been done before. So yep. don't need to worry about it. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and now you're – that was only two. There's only two? Yeah, two tips. One was support. Two was learn and talk. Yep. You get a third tip. I'm going to say it's sort of with support, but I'm going to say protect. Yep. All right. You've got to be the bodyguard. You've got you get to be, to be the bouncer at the nightclub. You've got to be the bouncer. That's it. You've got to – got to tell people to go away. Sometimes you've got to tell your own mum to go away. That's <laughs> yep. hard. Yeah. I fully understand it. It's hard. You know, if someone comes over and they've got a bit of a sniffle, don't put on your wife to tell them to stay away or to keep their distance or to postpone their visit. You stand up, all right, yep. because your wife, you've got to understand their amount of of physical exertion she's been through for the last months, 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 and potentially earlier than that as well if fertility was a problem. So you have got to protect, protect, protect because it's all about the baby, right? Your baby will be fine if you protect the mum. Love that. And now your number one dad tip for any period of time of being a dad. You've got three beautiful kids. You've seen thousands of kids in the hospital your number one dad tip, regardless of age? Treat your child as a teacher. Oh, like that. Can you go on a little bit? I firmly believe that our children are here to teach us the things we don't know that we need to know. So from my own experience, um, my eldest taught me how to relinquish control. She was uncontrollable. She was yep. unsettled and unhappy. I'd never experienced that in my life. 
and I hated it. And she forced me to get comfortable in that discomfort. My son over the years has taught me to be more present. He has the most astonishing ability to find joy, make joy. He can create happiness out of thin air. And, and it's magnetic and it's contagious. And if I could have a tenth of that ability, I'd be happy. My youngest, who's now six, she constantly teaches me, constantly. But the big thing she taught me when she was born, because she was born with a problem and she needed pretty major um, surgery to her head when she was just under a year of age. And she taught me the other side, being a patient, being the parent of a patient. So she taught me, that's a whole nother mm. talk that we whole can go into. But um, the, answer, the short answer to your question is, if you look at your child as a teacher, then you'll be open to learning. But if, if you think about it the other way around, like I'm teaching them, I'm showing them, I'm demonstrating, them, no, you won't learn a thing. You're just going to teach them what you... What you already know. Or maybe don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So look, look at what they're teaching you and um, you'll grow exponentially. Yep. Awesome. And then the final question, the funniest thing you've ever seen from a dad. <laughs> How long do you have? Oh, mate, as long as you like. Just oh. your favourite hilarious dad story. Oh, I've got some doozies. Oh, it's not funny. It's <laughs> can't help but laugh. But there was this one dad – about three years ago, he was about six foot five, shaved head, tats everywhere in the birth suite, a big bloke, tough bloke. And um, he woke up about three hours after his daughter was born because <laughs> while his wife was pushing, he passed out, <laughs> knocked his head. He ended up in emergency downstairs. They had to call a code and all this tri- this emergency team had to come into the birth suite while mum's pushing. So she's worried about her husband who's now on the floor bleeding everywhere while she's pushing a baby out. He goes to emergency. He's in the CT scanner because he bumped his head so hard and then came two hours after his child was born. That was a good one. (laughs) A funny one I heard recently was um, in my podcast, I had Jordan Lewis on, footy player extraordinaire, Hawthorne Melbourne footy player. (laughs) He was telling me about one of his teammates and I won't say the name. But he had a three-week-old at home and his wife said, I fed the baby, I just need to go to the shops, I'll be back in 10 minutes, all you got to do is just burp the baby and put him to bed. You don't have to do anything, like it's, you don't have to change a nappy, nothing. you just got to hold him up for a couple of minutes and put him down. I'll be back in 10 minutes. She, she goes and he told me that she came back in 10 minutes to find him in the front yard, like all of a flap, Stressing, trying to feed a banana into the mouth of a three-week-old baby. <laughs> she said, what are you doing? And he said, I don't know. Baby seemed hungry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. just picture this footy player with a banana. Brilliant. At a three-week-old. Oh, that Brilliant. was a good one. Dr. Gully, Matt, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. Absolute pleasure. Now you know what to do from feeding to poos. You've been with the dads The dads in the docks
Thanks for listening to our Little Dad podcast. We really appreciate it and we would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it wherever you're listening. It would help to share it around if you gave it five stars and wrote a little note. We really want to get this information out there so new dads can be of more use than we were when we were useless new dads. If you want to get in touch with us, We've got an email, thedadsandthedocs at gmail.com because we're tight asses and we couldn't afford an actual email because this is a little independent podcast of our own. If you want to get in touch with us on the socials, at Adam Denston or at Maddie underscore EF or the dads and the docs. It's across TikTok. It's across Instagram. Check them out. Give it a follow. Tell all your mates as well. Share all the posts around. We'd really, really appreciate it. Also, this episode was produced by us, Maddie and Adam, and also by Radio Mike. You can find him at Radio Mike on his socials. And the intro song and outro song were made by at Mikey D. Graham. Mikey D, legend, very catchy, and we really appreciate that too. All right, that's enough rambling from us. Thank you for being a part of the show. We look forward to the extra episodes. Time to get back dadding. It's time for us to get back dadding too. So we'll talk to you next week. And one more thing to add before we do head off, the information in this podcast is very general in nature and intended to help everybody prepare for what is to come in as best way possible. But if you do have any concerns or queries or questions about your health or your baby's health or your partner's health, please go direct to your health practitioner. They will be able to answer your questions in the best way possible. There's also so many resources out there for people who are struggling. Lifeline, Panda, the Panda helpline is fantastic. The Maternal Child Health Nurse hotline. Also, talk to your friends and family. Good luck out there, everyone. See you later. Now that we've finished that episode of The Dads and the Docs, we've got to thank our best mates at Big W. Mate, don't I have a deal for you? Huggies value pack of nappies is only 46 bucks at Big W. That's saving 13 bucks per pack. And once you buy about a million nappies that you're going to need, that's a lot of savings. Exactly right, Maddie. And not only have they got them, they've got quality, they've got affordability, and that's why they are our best mates. Big W, it's where you go once you know. Offer dates 26th of the 10th to the 8th of the 11th while stocks last. <laughs>